RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hi, this is Jim Fannin. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'd like to introduce my sidekick producer, Seth. What's up, Seth? How Hello. you doing? Always good to be kind of continually learning along with the audience here. Uh, which were is a you blast. in the zone last week? I really was. You know, really? I really was. Uh, and I would, um, you know, I would say that you know, last week, my wife and I. I mean, you and I met, um, and it's not like I've been practicing these things for years, right? So it's actually really fun to go in with fresh eyes and say like, okay, I'm not just like talking about this stuff. I'm going to go home and do it. Uh, and when we, when we met, you know, I was a little skeptical just because there's so many, there's so many 24 year olds on Instagram saying I'm the world's greatest coach. <laughs> I, there really are. And it's like, Oh, well, what have you done? Well, I started an Instagram account about how I'm the world's greatest coach. And I don't want to be super negative on those people. You know, it's sometimes you got to go through some growing pains before you kind of figure out what's what. Um, you know, but when I stepped into your studios for the first time and I saw you coach somebody um, that was, uh, you know, you're, you're coaching athletes in, in 10 pro sports. So I'll just say I, I saw you coach two athletes in individual sports and realized this can translate to anything. It wasn't until I saw you do it that I was like, oh, yeah, we got to do this podcast. I want to get this out in the world. Um, this is something that's truly missional. This is going to well, be Well, you know, this, this show, Seth, is all about being in the zone. It's a real physical, mental fusion where your absolute, genuine, authentic best comes to the forefront. It's a purposeful calm. Your eyes literally double or triple shutter speed, giving you the kind of the illusion that everything's in slow motion. You have inordinate quickness, speed, strength, and agility. And it is not just for the superstar athlete. It's for everybody. It's in all of us right now. So, uh, I'm glad you were in the zone last week. Um, I think there's no place uh, that I'd rather be than in this purposeful, calm mindset. Yeah, you know, and uh, when we talk about being in the zone, we were, if we can just recap visualization real quick. If you didn't really get into that one, go back and grab it later this week uh, on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Um, getting into the visualization thing, uh, I, you know, in, uh, in the business I'm in, I had a um, pretty significant client just call out of nowhere. Um, and just say, it wasn't even like a, Hey, what do you do? It was like, Hey, come work for, you know, come take this part of this project over for my company. Uh, start this week. Let's have breakfast on Thursday and let's begin. So there wasn't even like a, Hey, how do you work? What do you charge? It was just like a text. Hey, heard you're great. Let's do this. Let's go. Well, you know, once we get into it, uh, they'll all, they'll send you a check the next time before you <laughs> even start, we can make it even better. You know, talking of about visualization, uh, trust me on the math. If you sleep eight hours a night, you're awake one 
112 hours a week, half of that time is spent visualizing or daydreaming, typically about things you you haven't given up on. Uh, but that's food. That's the basics in our life. Uh, food, shelter, sex, food, uh, all of those things. <laughs> sex. Did I say that? And, and so it occupies so much of our mind. However, I also realized through research that 65% of your thoughts are in natural chaos. And that really is going to impact concentration, which is what this show's all about. So visualization is crucial for you to be the best that you can be. You just have to think about what you think about and visualize in a very constructive manner. So let's talk a little bit about concentration. But before we do, Seth, I like for all the listeners to uh, let's get into the zone right now, which means let's block our brain from everything that you've been doing. Let's do a reboot. Now, if you're driving in your car, do not shut your eyes. You can keep your eyes open, but clear your mind, unhinge your jaw, let your tongue kind of relax in your mouth, let it float. I have no future here, no past here, and just see a blank screen in your mind. So we'll do that just for a few seconds. Listeners, it's time to get in the zone. Let's reboot. And this only takes a couple of seconds. The reboot's been done, actually, in the World Series on the mound between pitches. The reboot tool's been to the Super Bowl. It's been to Wimbledon. It's walked the fairways at the Masters. It's a cool tool. But if you're having struggles concentrating, I would reboot. So that's one of the reboot tools that you can, uh, one of the tools that you can do to get back in the zone or to elongate the zone. You ready to take a look at who's in the zone this week? Let's see who's in the zone. All right. I'm actually going to jump in um, with a quick story about... Uh, besides I, you, of course. Uh, besides me. I, I, of... You know how some people think that like, oh, well, you know, some people are just born lucky or they're born good at things. And other people aren't born good at things that, you know, that's not the case. Um, Matthew McConaughey, uh, and I think he was one of the most interesting actors working because what he did um, by his own admission, his his first few movies weren't that good. Uh, he decided to, to really save his money early on. And he just did kind of the same romantic comedy over and over again until he was well invested enough that he knew that he could you know take care of his family. His kids were good. And then he realized he could do the most creative, the best movies he wanted to because money wasn't an option. It wasn't really an issue anymore because he was. Well, diligent. you know, to, to be at your best, you have to take a little risk. Good yeah. fortune does favor the bold, but you need yeah. that security blanket uh, before you can jump off the building and fly. I get that. So you, um, you know, there's a kind of that, that conversation of like, who would you love to have dinner with? Well, uh, an extension of the conversation would be, who would you like to spend 20 hours in a car with just talking about whatever? Uh, I, I forget which magazine it was, but a, uh, a journalist actually, uh, in order to interview Matthew McConaughey, he had to drive his car back from LA to where he lives in Austin, Texas. So they're like, they're in the car for 20 hours. You got to stop and grab a hotel. Uh, I is mean, that the car he advertises on TV? <laughs> what, what is that? Lincoln. It, 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 apparently, he really does love Lincolns that much. So it had to have been a Lincoln. Uh, of course um, he does. He needs to. And he gets paid a lot. He does get paid a lot for that love. You can't continuously talk for 20 hours. Nobody's that extroverted, right? And so when the conversation would drift off, um, Matthew McConaughey would put on audio uh, about improvement, about coaching. 
And the reporter thought it was just kind of like trying to get it in the he story. He should have been you know? listening to our podcast. Are you kidding me? We, <laughs> that's that's a visualization we need for the future. And the, the journalist said, like, okay, you can, you can kind of drop the act now. Uh, you know, thinking this was just trying to Matthew McConaughey trying to, um, you know, put an image out there, right? And his reply was, "If you want to be a cynic, you can walk." He said, "I just I don't have room for people who are cynical in my life." Um, and you know. The fact that somebody that is truly at the top of their game that stays in the zone film after film uh, the last few years one you know is looking at improvement I, I just found to be so so inspiring that like there there aren't two classes of people where it's like some people are just lucky and good at things other people are not it's about your mindset it's about your preparation uh, and it's not just about well you know that person was born able to act or throw a football or whatever well I think champions and I've coached so many and so many various uh uh, facets of life. Yeah, champions are the best students of their sport. They're the best students of their industry. They're really up to speed, and they also know what came before them. Who who were the best before them? So the best in their industry or their sport, they're really students. They're continually learning. They're constantly focusing on what's next, which is one of my favorite words. Next, you got to keep moving. Uh, your goal line and uh, stretching yourself so you can get into that peak performance. That's how great things are accomplished. Uh, so I take my hat off to Matthew McConaughey uh, for being a student of uh, the film industry. And speaking of, um, you know, looking towards what's next and continuing to strive for greatness, a little bit of a, it's funny how food has almost become a competitive sport in modern culture in the United States. It's a big uh, deal. Well, it's it, something we all do. That's for sure. It, it's something we all do. Um, but, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have so many chefs who were celebrities, right? Like now it, it food is pop culture. Um, major upset this week. Major, major upset. This is like, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Warrior. No, not, not that low, but I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, Chicago became the restaurant city of the year over yeah, New York. Yeah, baby. Go Chi-Town. <laughs> Which is, of course... That's awesome. ...where we're recording at. Um, you know, and this take... For something like this to happen, it's not just that one person pe- can be great at what they do. Um, I think there's something attractional about the fact that you become a place where people want to come to be creative and to push forward and to be great. Uh, and Chicago's got it this year. Um, best Best restaurant scene in the United States. Uh, and so we're going to go ahead and bring in Cece, who is a chef herself, to unpack a little bit of this um, and, and and to talk about how, you know, you've talked about how entire cities can get in the zone. Like L.A. Um, did get the Olympics. That's a zone moment, That's right? That's a zone moment. Um, this is a zone moment. So let's let Cece actually do a quick aside on... Hey, you know, Cece, welcome to the business. Jim Fannin Show. Where do you eat? What do you do? And then, Jim, I want you to, to unpack how, how, Chicago, how a scene gets in a zone like this. Congratulations, Chicago. Well, I really knew this was going to happen because a few of the restaurants that were chosen for, you know, Bon Appetit's big uh, winners is the International Mall in Westmont. Man, I've I've eaten there. (laughs) Yeah. I know that joint. It's awesome. I've been there many times. And what's strange about it is every time I've gone, it's not been very crowded. And I've always liked that. Now that there are big stars, I won't ever be able to even get in there. It's the International Mall of Westmont, Illinois. It's, It's just called the International Mall in Westmont. What kind of food? It's all around. It's a. 
international. It's got, you know, what I give you all the time that you look at me strange sometimes when I bring it, but they have these soup bowls. They're noodle soup bowls that I really like. And that's what brought me there. And then I've also been to the hand bun. Um, they have the greatest hand buns. It's with, uh, they have this nice pork on the bun and you can get it different ways, but uh, it was pretty much a new chef when I was coming down. Uh, I really liked what they were doing, David Park and his fiance Jennifer Tran. Basically, they, they have a, a nice little thing going there, and I knew they were going to be big stars, but this is a big deal for us because it's only 22 miles from downtown Chicago, and it's literally like only five miles from us. Well, maybe about 15 minutes from us. But uh, I, I knew this was going to be a big deal because the food is fabulous. You have so many different international uh, restaurants in that one building that you can get all types of food from Japanese, Chinese. It's just really a great place to you, go. You know, there's a sidebar in this international mall. You can actually get a massage there. You, <laughs> That's you, right. You, you can go have massage. a bowl of soup, get a massage for like 30 bucks, which is pretty amazing. But it is a food court of original authentic food. And uh, yeah, we love the international food court. Go Chicago. We did it. This is awesome. You know, and Jim, if you can break down what it looks like to be in the zone here, because um, everybody loves, I mean, I don't know one person that doesn't enjoy eating, right? I mean, it's one of those universal human experiences. Um, But man, jumping into the restaurant game, I mean, what, I, I don't know what the failure rate is, but it's really high up there. The only industry I can think of that's more high risk is entertainment. So, um, you know, probably the only riskier thing you can do in the world other than start a restaurant is to like maybe try to start a record label, uh, which has an unbelievably high failure rate. Uh, that um, reminds me of a client I won't bring up who lost uh, over $10 million having his own record label. But, you know, the restaurant business, you do need to be in the zone. You not only need to be a great chef and have a unique uh, menu. Uh, but you need to be a really astute business person and understand the margins and understand the profit margins of every item on your menu. Most restaurants are not in the zone. They fail less than a year once they open their doors. And um, I think the, the thing about Chicago that's so unique is there are so many great chefs, but they have their own niche. And when you go there, it's not like there's 30 things on the menu. You know, they'll have a few things, but they've got their signature dishes that make you want to come back over and over again. And that's the discipline that it takes to have a signature dish, prepare it the same way. I can taste that international mall food right now. In fact, (laughs) I think for lunch, I'm going there today because it puts an image of visualization in my mind. I need to go there. Oh, you won't get in today. They're big stars now. I mean, I can't believe my little side place I used to go to and get right in and out is now a big star. So everybody's going to be trying to get in there to get and try their food. Well, uh, every, everybody likes a champion. This is a champion place. And um, and we beat New York. Woohoo! Well, <laughs> that's a big Big upset. Uh, Me being a chef, we beat New York. That's a big deal because... uh, And the neighborhoods in Chicago, uh, from uh, the Ukrainian village to uh, the Italian village, you can go to all these ethnic communities uh, that are little burbs in Chicago. They all have two, three, four 
awesome restaurants. Yeah, I mean, when you get a food scene that's that is um, specific enough that there's uh, a ranking of like Filipino breakfast places, <laughs> which is a real thing in Chicago. Um, you, you've really got something. So next time uh, you come through for business, you come through for pleasure. Uh, if uh, you know you don't travel to Chicago regularly, um, just don't eat for like the first the two days before you fly into town. That way, well, you'll let, have let, let, let's talk about who else is in the zone. We are uh, we're going in the PGA tour, right? We are. This is a big week for the PGA. Uh, Jordan Spieth has the opportunity to have a career Grand Slam. It's played at Quail Hollow, uh, one of the most uh, favorite golf courses uh, on the PGA Tour. So the PGA Championship, the fourth major, it occurs this week. Now, Jordan Spieth has all kinds of media. Can he tie the record of the youngest person to have a career Grand Slam. So he's won three. This is the fourth. A lot of pressure on him. Not going to be easy to concentrate this week. I also have a couple of dark horses I think are actually going to win. Okay. Um, Not Jordan Spieth. Let's get into that. And then let's also get into, you know, you've coached these, these world-class athletes and performers um, that are, are there. there's a certain threat, um, you know, to reading your own hype, right? To to reading about how great you are in in publications, uh, be that you know the the publication of your own trade or you know sports or whatever. Um, as far as concentration goes, we're going to get into the main topic, but give me just a little nugget of um, you know. You said when you get into the zone, um, you, you've got to like reset, right? Like well, when you know for, you're in the zone. First of all, when you're aware of being in the zone, you're not in it anymore, and that's why on the PGA Tour. Very few players win back-to-back. Now, Dustin Johnson, best player in the world, he's won back-to-back in the last couple of years. But he's that's a minority. I mean, that's very rare, very unique. Why is that? All the hype about Jordan Spieth, his goal is to get into the moment on that first tee on Thursday, today, and, and really lock into the moment. But he's got the media talking about the future, talking about the past, everything that Jordan Spieth does not want to talk about. So he's doing all these interviews. There's a lot of hype. He's got to learn how to hide in a crowd. So as he's there, everybody knows what's at stake. Can he stay in the moment? And concentration, Seth, is being locked in mentally where you're focusing all your energy, physically and mentally, on the task at hand. And the warrior, when he goes into any arena, whether it's business or sports, has the warrior creed. I have no future. I have no past. My goal is to make the present last. I'm in the now. So the question for Jordan Spieth, can you be in the now? Can you do this for four days, 72 holes, locked in when the world is talking about your future and your past. That's a daunting task for somebody 24 years old. I think he can do it. However, I'm looking for Ricky Fowler, who finished ninth last week. Uh, And I'm also looking for um, one of my former clients at the University of Illinois, Thomas Peters, Belgium, six foot five Belgian. He had a fourth place finish. I'm looking for them to actually pull this off and walk away with the PGA Championship. We'll see. That's what 
makes it so much fun. We'll we'll see who's in the zone next week, right? I mean, one uh, one or more of these guys is going to be in the zone from um, you know, fr- from one of the most difficult feats in sports. Uh, it's certainly one of the most mentally di- challenging uh, feats in sports. Well, a career gr- grand slam is pretty amazing. So, uh, uh, I'd love to see Jordan Spieth do that. I think it's going to be great for the game. But I'm predicting Ricky Fowler or Thomas Peters. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, let me tell you who else is in the zone. Alex Rodriguez, one of my former clients, is in the zone. And what makes him in the zone this Jennifer week? Jennifer Lopez. That'll get you in the zone. Uh, you know, Alex has really turned the corner in his career. At one time, he may have been one of the most hated uh, athletes. Uh, obviously, uh, had an amazing career in baseball. Has turned that into an amazing broadcasting career. But uh, with J-Lo, that is the power couple, Alex Rodriguez and uh, Jennifer Lopez, when they step out for a date night for the world's really watching. So congratulations, Alex. Uh, I think you're in the zone. Whenever you can affect, um, in a, you know, and not in a super negative way, in a, um, the, what's trending on Twitter, you're making some kind of waves in the world. <laughs> I think you are. I definitely think you are. I want to talk about David Letterman. Oh, yeah. Totally uh, in, the zone in the zone for all those years. He's the late night guru. He retires. Goes gray. Gray hair. Big beard. Giant beard. Looks I think, like he lives in my, my state of Wisconsin. Yeah. I think people are actually living in his beard. A giant <laughs> beard, which is pretty amazing. And he's coming back. He's going to be in the zone. Signed a big deal with Netflix. Going to have some specials. Netflix is in the zone. That entire organization. So to bring uh, Letterman out of retirement, uh, I think it's going to be a difference maker uh, uh, in viewing. I'd love to see Letterman's take on what's going on in the world because he uh, tells it like it is. And you know what? When you, when you said you've always got to have another goal line, um, there, there's a guy that could just sit back and say, I'm going to sit by my pool every day because I can and because I've worked hard and you know, I, like I'm secure. But instead, he's challenging himself in a new way, and it may not be as strenuous as you know as the schedule he was once under. It's like twelve or fourteen hour days, but he's still got something to say to the world, and he's getting out and doing it. Well, I think it's a risk because he could definitely bomb, and that's something. That, you know, why why would he want to come back and do that? So, uh, hat off to David Letterman. I know you're going to be in the zone, and I'm looking forward to hearing and watching your specials on Netflix. Let's get into the big topic today, which is concentration. Um, you know, I, I have heard. The phrase used by uh, you know kind of multiple people in the business world these days that focus is the new IQ. Um, that it doesn't matter how smart you are, if your brain is going all over the place and you're still consumed with the last text message and Twitter, uh, it doesn't matter if you are you know on the baseball diamond of the boardroom. If you cannot have the discipline to put your brain on one thing and stay there, you can't have success in any arena. And this is um, you know. One of those things that's harder in 2017 than it was in 2016, I think. Well, never before in the history of mankind have we had more information coming at us from so many different angles, so many different directions, and it's coming at us 24-7. Uh, people can wake up in the middle of the night, and one of the first things they do is look at their phone. Pretty amazing, in the middle of the night. Uh, I do 7,000 minutes a month on the cell phone. Uh, I, I give my clients 24-7, and the only way to really have focus when you have that many minutes on a cell phone is you have to take breaks, 
You have to have some silence in between the notes of your life. Uh, otherwise, you're really going to have overload and you're going to really get in trouble in, in terms of accomplishing anything. So let's look at the definition. It, it's the ability to focus energy. This is mental energy. This is physical energy on the task that leads to a goal that takes you to a vision. And we're bombarded by social media, by emails. The CEOs I'm coaching, three, four hundred emails every day. Seriously? How is that even possible? That's a full-time job trying to answer your emails. Now, we've been able to go into major Fortune 500 companies, take an executive, and wipe away 250 of those emails. Most emails are CC. That's, you know, copy so that you're really, well, it really should be cover your ass, CAs, because, (laughs) you know, you're covering yourself vertically and horizontally. So most of these emails don't need to be uh, uh, coming into your inbox. So the key to concentration is first self-discipline. Before you can focus your energy, you have to have a place to send your energy. So if you don't have well-defined goals, well-defined targets, and this is from the golf course to the boardroom to the classroom, uh, we got school coming up this fall. If you don't have a place to send your energy, you're going to be all over the place mentally. We're going to be fragmented. And there's nothing wrong with using technological tools, but I've seen there's such a trend right now that man, if I just had the right app or the right app on my laptop that would help like block out, you know, because there's different pieces of um, of tech out there right now that will like block Twitter for an hour so you don't go off on Twitter, um, you know, w- which might be a piece of it. But the bottom line is, uh, it that doesn't keep you on task. Like you have to learn how to keep you on task, and blocking Twitter uh, via an app for an hour isn't going to help you have an hour of focused work that gets the, the work that you have to do in the world done. That first has to start mentally and has to come from inside and work its way out. And there can be tools on the peripheral. But I've just seen in, you know, kind of in trends of the, the way people are using technology, they're like, oh, well, if I just had this app that would keep me away from like the sugar rush of Yahoo or something like that, then I could focus. That, that's never going to work. It has to start inside. Well, it not only has to start inside, but you know, the people that are really accomplishing great things, they have a vision that wakes them up in the morning and puts them to bed at night. And then they've taken that vision of what they want someplace in the future, and they break it down into bite-sized uh, macro goals. Now you can focus on some tasks that lead to those goals. So without well-defined goals, without a vision of where you want to go, your concentration is going to be all over the place. I want to bring in another uh, part of concentration that most of us never think about, and that's water. 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 I've learned in my career that if you lose a small percentage of your water, 1%, you'll lose 10% of your focus. So many times when you lose focus, your brain just needed hydration. That's all it needed. And that's a challenge for a lot of people. It's been a challenge for me personally in my life uh, to drink enough water. If you'll hydrate 100 ounces, for example, and there's some charts on the internet based on your body weight, how much water you should bring. It's not about quenching your thirst. It's about helping you 
lock in with better focus. And many times, athletes punish themselves. In fact, 30, 40 years ago, I had coaches that tell me, you don't deserve water. No water for you, Fannin. Take an extra lap. We would be punished to not have water. How crazy is that? Which is going to, that certainly didn't help you on your way to becoming a tennis pro. Uh, No, it it really didn't. And and so if you want to have great concentration, you're going to have to hydrate and uh, really keep your uh, water intake spread out over the entire waking hour, 16 hours a day. Well, you need to hydrate. You know, I have, I have a, um, a career in, in radio and TV uh, broadcasting, which means I've been to a lot of like big outdoor events, right? And I, I've seen it time and time again um, where somebody will get carried to a medical tent at a concert or something like that, and they will think, oh my gosh, I'm dying. There's something really wrong. And that extreme anxiety is from extreme dehydration. I hope that you never personally go through that. Um, But if you get low enough just on your water intake, your body and your mind start telling you you're dying. Like That's how how extreme the reaction can be. So um, 1% drop in water, 10% drop in focus. Scary. That's unbelievable. And and if you look at uh, uh, the classrooms in America in our school system, we're not taught to hydrate. I mean, there's water fountains, obviously, and you can have a water bottle. We're, we're not trained to hydrate through the whole day. Why do you think a lot of classes that are after 12 noon, after lunch, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, a lot of kids are dehydrated, and if you have a chemistry class or a math class in that afternoon... That's the one you're mentally falling off on. That's the one you're going to mentally fall off on. So you do need to hydrate. Uh Concentration. The night before, this is a little tool. I'd I'd never have a day I haven't already had. I've yeah. said that a million times to my clients. Never have a day you haven't already had. What what does that mean? Every night, visualize what you'd like to accomplish the next day. Now you're not trying to visualize I gotta go to the cleaners or get a haircut. You're visualizing macro things, maybe one, two, three things at the most. When you focus the night before in your mind what you want to accomplish the next day, you're going to wake up the next day and have much better concentration. And this is one way to actually help you with uh, a diet. Never have a day of food you haven't already had. So the night before, if you want to focus really on your physical well-being, Visualize what you're going to eat for breakfast, what you're going to eat for lunch, what you're going to have for dinner, maybe a snack. Visualize also uh, 45 minutes or an hour of working out. If you do that, you won't be so readily ambushed by your subconscious mind saying, hey, Jim, have a donut. Come on, one donut's not going to help you. But if I visualize like that, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to focus on really what I need to do to get the optimum weight that I want. Yeah. You know, without planning, I have yet to meet the person um, that says, well, I didn't have a plan for, you know, for fitness or weight loss. And when I went to work and there was a bunch of snacks, I actually chose the healthy options instead of three pounds of Skittles. Wow. Uh, it, do- it doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, if you're not, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to go there. Well, and, and that is my, my newest book that's coming out next year, February 6, 2018, The Blueprint. We have a blueprint for our house when we build it. Most don't have a blueprint for their life. 
And then you need to take that blueprint into all the different segments of your life. If you want your kids to focus, you need to focus. If you want your employees to focus, you need to focus. So you need a blueprint for every facet of your life of what you would like to accomplish. That's going to help you get into the zone. And that's where real focus is, that purposeful, calm feeling where nothing can go wrong and you're totally in the moment. I want to go back to Jordan Spieth. What does he need to do this week? Well, he needs to concentrate. However, the best in the world, they only go into the future for planning, strategy, tactics. They only go in the future for that, all the way down to planning my next shot. The best in the world only go into the past for swift analysis, evaluation, and after that, when all that's done, now they can lock into the moment. This is going to be a week of concentration. I'm going to look forward to all the listeners improving their concentration this week and really focus on the things that you want as opposed to focusing on things you don't want. You know, if I can maybe set up what it looks like to, to not ever concentrate in your life, Jim, have you, have you ever run into somebody after 10 years and they say, oh, man, it, you know, it's, it's like it just seems like just yesterday. I can't believe how much time has gone by. And I'm thinking in the last 10 years, I've been to seven countries. I, I you know, I, I've taught college courses. I've learned a ton. I've had all these new experiences. Different people have come into my life. Uh, and, you know, not to throw anybody in the bus under particular, but I feel like that's a statement. Usually that what the person is really saying at the core of it is. I never, I just kind of let life happen to me. It, I just kind of floated along, and now it just feels like, we, you know, no time could have passed because the, there was no plan. Where'd the summer go? I heard that yesterday. Where'd the summer go? I can't believe it's August already. One of the things, and this is a philosophy of being in the moment where the zone resides, there's no place I'd rather be than where I am right now. That's a mindset. Uh, I have a client that, is overseas, and she's had some mechanical trouble in the airplane getting back from Greece back to the U.S., and she's got a lot on her plate. And my message to her is, there's no place I'd rather be than where I am right now. That's hard to do when things aren't going well, but there's something to learn every time, every place where you are. There's no place I'd rather be than on the podcast with you right now. Otherwise, I'd uh, put down the mic and go somewhere else. That mindset will help you focus and help you really pay attention to the things that really matter in your life. Concentration is the second letter in the score system, and uh, that's really what we're going to work on this week. Now, let's talk about um, something that I'm wondering about before we get into some questions, uh, You know, if I can be selfish and, and, and unpack it. Something I'm wondering about before we get into questions that have been sent in. By the way, you can always hit us, ask Jim at jimfannon.com. That's also in the show notes if you want to send us an email and get access to world class coaching uh, for free right here on the podcast. I think every person has had one of those really long days where it's like, you know, um, I'm in school, I have a huge test, followed by a huge, uh, you know, athletic event or, you know, or moment of performance art, I'm going to play or something like that. Or, I can't believe it. I have a, a huge sales pitch or meeting with my boss. And then right after that, I have, um, you know, I've got to be super on for my kids. I've got to support them in, in um, this spot. 
when you've got one of those days that just stacks up and you just know it's going to be one of those 12 or 15 hour days and it's going to be really hard and you really have to be on. Talk to me about how you stay constant, uh, you maintain concentration and you reset in those brief moments you have um, in between those things because you know life just hits you like that sometimes that you've really, really got to hit on all cylinders for one particular Wednesday and it's so important that you get there. Well, there's a technique called framing. And framing is, if I frame my day, uh, I know B to A, B meaning the end of the day, I know what I want to have accomplished at the end of the day. And I know how I want to wake up and open the day. So I've kind of framed my day. You can do that for a meeting. When this meeting's over, what do I want every, if you're leading the meeting especially, what do I want the people in the meeting to think what I want them to do? What's the ending? What's the takeaway? And then go back to A, what's the beginning? So when you start framing all your meetings, all your performances, uh, and then take some breaks, at least 90 seconds in between, when you do that, uh, you're going to have a zone day. But you do need at least 90 seconds of silence where you turn your brain off in between meetings. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you know your main concentration is is um, on your career at this moment, if you want people to really like you, actually plan the meeting. They'll love you because most people don't. And if you do that, you are going to be a rock star in whatever venue you're in um, because it, it's going to be so refreshing that you respect people's time and respect their energy uh, to not be you know that you're not exhausting them by going. Well, I brought 14 people in here, and we're just going to wing it and hope that something good comes out of this thing. I mean, can you imagine how many wasted meetings are in the world just today? Yeah. Where everybody's glazed over, rolling their eyes, going, seriously, what was that all about? And in big companies, you go from meeting to meeting to meeting. You don't hydrate between meetings. You don't decompress and evaluate after the meeting because you're hustling off to a another phone call, or another meeting. I think less is more. You know, the less meetings, the better prepared those meetings, the easier it is to get into the zone and really focus your energy. And the energy needs to be sent away from you. Tell me about that. If I'm an athlete, for example, and I'm playing a round of golf, and I start thinking about my swing. I start thinking about what just happened. My energy is now on me, and it's not flowing. And I'm not going to be in a zone state. In fact, when the energy is on you, energy only knows one place to go. It hides in your muscles, not the skeleton and not, not the uh, organs of your body. When that happens, then you get tense, then you worry. Now you're off on a totally different tangent of peak performance. So getting your energy away from you is sending it to objectives. Send it to well-defined targets. Next, well, that's one of my favorite words. That's uh, actually going to be on my tombstone. It's uh, in my will uh, that it has to be on my tombstone. I don't know what's next, but next. <laughs> so when something happens to you, don't evaluate. You don't have time. Don't coach yourself. Keep moving, keep chasing the horizon. Next should be the word that keeps you going. Now, I, I maybe just want to 
to bounce one tip that I'm seeing off of you, and then let, let's really recap this whole thing so that uh, you know, as you're listening, you can walk away and apply this uh, for the next seven days before we come back with the next tip. You know, and I don't even think you have to be a top executive in the business world. Um, you you can find your, yourself in this in any profession. You can find it as a you know as a teacher or as a Fortune 500 executive. Um, I see so many people that are scheduled. You said you have 90 seconds to reset. It's not uncommon for me to have uh, breakfast with someone in the business world to, you know, to discuss a project or something like that. I know I have from 7 to 8. Um, at 8 a.m., their phone is going to ring with another meeting, and that call is going to last seven minutes till they get to the office, and they're going to walk into a meeting. Um, I've got to imagine by 9 a.m., they're no good to themselves or anybody else because if, you've told, if you haven't had any time to reset there... Uh, I think what I hear you saying is whether you're scheduling yourself or someone else is scheduling you... You cannot go, well, I'm going to start at 6.45 in the morning and go till lunch, and there's not going to be one breath of room in my schedule, and I'm going to be on the whole time. You can't concentrate like that, right? Well, I, I think you need uh, to break your day into four quarters, just like a, a, you know athletic event. Uh, 9 to 10.30, take a break. Get up, walk around, turn your brain off. Uh, have a swift evaluation of what just happened in the first 90 minutes. Uh, take that five-minute break, that 10-minute break. Then come back, go another 90 minutes. Lunch. Dine. Don't eat. Don't eat at your desk. I would dine. Even if you're alone, you need to take that break. Obviously, you want to hydrate. If you can eat alone, great. Turn your brain off. Then come back third quarter, another 90 minutes. Take a break. Three o'clock, take a five, 10 minute break. Then finish strong the last 90 minutes before you go uh, back to your house, before you go home. Taking breaks every 90 minutes is definitely going to help. I've done that with so many corporate clients. Uh, but you really need to frame all your meetings. Don't overschedule yourself. Less is more. The less on your plate, the easier it is to focus all of your mental and physical energy on the task at hand. And if if I can just add a quick note to that, you know, having worked in you know in the tech and media spaces, it was really cool about ten years ago. There were a lot of stories about people in the tech world that's like, well, sometimes I stay up for a day and a half straight working on a big project, and you know, and my you know little breaks are I slam heavy weights, and then I drink a ton of caffeine, and after a day and a half, I finally go into a coma and, and a shot and a shot of Red Bull and a shot of Red Bull. And what we're finding out is, um, yeah, that doesn't actually work. <laughs> well, <laughs> like it was cool for a little bit, but it doesn't actually do anything for you. You know, the people that are making things happen aren't doing these uh, two day, three day binges of uh, overwork and. Uh, the key for any athlete, for any business person, even for a student, is reaching a high daily standard, a minimum requirement for a solid performance, according to you. It's not always trying to just lock in. I think sleep deprivation, lack of water, those are score or zone breakers that really are going to impact concentration. Less is more. Less to focus on the better. So if we can give you the takeaways for this week, um, you said 90 second reset, like mental resets between things. Break your day into four quarters, right? I, that's my recommendation. Break it, break it into four quarters and then really lock in. One, one more thing, second would be framing. 
When you have a meeting, what do you want the people to think when they leave the meeting? So start at the end first. So when I, if I'm giving yeah. a big speech, there's 10,000 in the audience. What do I want these people to think? What do I want them to do when they walk away from my talk? That's B. And then I come back to A on how to get started. But once I'm done, once I'm done with that talk, hopefully there's a, a little bit of applause. But when I'm done, I'm going to have a swift evaluation. Swift. I mean, it may take 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And then I'm going to clear my mind and get ready for my next performance. And if, you know, kind of the, there's a little cynic inside you somewhere that wants to say, well, that's common sense. I promise you, I've worked with companies that are four people and companies that are really big. Um, and it may be common sense that you should have a plan for where you're going in a meeting or, or a sales presentation. Um, but that doesn't mean that it happens a whole bunch. Well, um, I, I think another uh, score zone breaker is open-ended meetings. We're going to have a meeting at 10. When's it over? Uh, when we're done. At some point, you're going to go past the uh, point of no return of concentration. So, And that's even playing with your kids. You got a little four-year-old, five-year-old, and you're playing uh, uh, sports in the backyard. Maybe you're rolling a ball or t- tossing a ball. I'd put a time limit on it. Let's go play for 10 minutes. We can focus for 10 minutes. If it's open-ended, one of you is going to get frustrated. <laughs> and it's probably going to be you. Yeah. Uh, but one of you is going to get frustrated. And those are situations in parenting that really end in a negative way. Put a time limit on it. This is a 30-minute meeting. You know what that does? A 30-minute meeting where we all need to participate we need to lock in the zone and make something happen right now. And uh, less, shorter meetings, the better. This isn't something that's super popular in the working world, but I think it's a, an interesting concept that, that works well for Zoniacs, right? Take away the chairs. When well, people are standing, they're not going to have a four-hour meeting. I like that. I do like that. Uh, one of the best meetings that I ever had was a 45-minute meeting in the Caribbean Ocean with a board of directors, and they had a 20-some million dollar challenge. The meeting was in the water. So we're all in the water. I kept going over the challenge. A lot of people didn't want to do it because they didn't look great in their bathing suit. And <laughs> um, But we're there for an hour, and um, we walked out of the uh, Caribbean with a solution to this major serious financial challenge. Make it small, make it in a relaxed environment, and let's just make things happen. What's the challenge? What are the solutions? What are the offsets to the risks? And um, that's going to take a little bit of planning. So the great leaders plan their meetings extremely well. By the way, if you also want to stay in the zone in your own time, uh, standing desk for some people is, is something that that can really help you get in that zone and, and cause natural breaks, cause those natural pauses. I, I have a um, friend that, that has a standing desk, and uh, it works really well. It also keeps the blood flowing. When you sit there for a while, all the blood, where does it go? Gravity. It leaves down, your brain, yeah. goes to your feet, and then throwing a little dehydration and concentrations out the window. Let's go ahead and uh, get into some questions for this week. Uh, ask Jim at jimfannon.com, world-class coaching. It uh, can be yours for the price of an email at this moment. I'm going to go ahead and die. Uh, Cece is going to continue to hang out with us. She's got a couple. I've got a, a couple that came in 
Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and split these up and just throw these at you. These are completely impromptu. You've never heard this stuff before. And the two that I, that, that I found, uh, you know, as I was scanning the inbox, are fairly complex. So I love throwing something at you that that's not just super simple. There's one layer of, of answers, but I, uh, I need to hydrate. You need to Hang hydrate. <laughs> I need to hydrate immediately. Well, we got a lot of questions, and I'm very excited for you because it means that people are listening and they are hoping that you can help them with their challenges in the world. The first question was a pretty phenomenal question because I've done that in the past with you. So, and, and it's usually some fun stuff or it's, it's something that, uh, you know, they are really having trouble with, but her question is, her name is Margaret. She's from Newark, New Jersey. She said, Mr. Fannin, I'm having trouble focusing on my relationship and work. How can I balance both? Wow, that's, uh, it's Margaret, is that correct? Margaret, the 90-second rule is the following. When you leave work, you get in your car, (laughs) you're pulling up to your house, put down your cell phone, prepared to go in and see your significant other and give them all your attention for 90 seconds. But you need to close your brain from your work. Make this 90-second transition. So if you've been away from somebody you love, really care about at least two hours, the first 90 seconds has more impact on your relationship if you spend hours and hours with them later. So here's how it works. If you got little kids, hold them up. Let me hug mommy. Let me hug daddy. Now you're training your children how to respect mom or dad. But you're also training them for 20 years later on how they're going to treat their significant other. Look your relationship, that significant other, in the eye long enough to discern eye color. I'm focusing on you. And what what am I telling you? Margaret, you're telling your significant other, I love you. I miss you. I care about you. I need you in in my life. And there's a technique inside this 90 seconds called mirroring. So if your significant significant other is sad, then you kind of put on a little sad face. You don't want to be sad, but I want to relate to you. I'm going to go there so I can pull you up into a happy set. You okay, baby? What's the matter? I'm going to mirror whatever I see. If you're excited, go, what's going on? What kind of day did you have? I'm going to mirror that. Now I've connected, I've bonded. And that 90-second rule, don't violate it. <laughs> it's crucial. Well, it's just one thing about you. You've never violated that. It, it, it's kind of creepy, but it's a good thing. Kind of creepy. <laughs> Come on. Well, Come on. <laughs> the next question was really a doozy. It's from Tommy. You know, sometimes <laughs> I give you actually more than 90 seconds. You know what? It, it's kind of creepy because you never violate that. I mean, he really does not violate that. The second question is from uh, Tommy. He's a father from San Diego, California. His question is about his daughter who is 17 and she's a tennis player. And she is having issues with him about his coaching because he would like her to concentrate more on her practices. And, you know, he's really feeling that she's unfocused right now. So he's asking you, can you give him some concentration tips for him as a father being her coach as the tennis coach. Tommy, I can relate. I coached a highly ranked 
junior tennis player, and I've coached a lot of nationally ranked players and definitely a lot of professional players. Tennis is a physical chess game. It requires that you send your energy on the other side of the net. You can't be focused on you, what you've done. You've got to be focused on the other side of the net. There's two sides of the net, Tommy, obviously, your opponent's side and your side. When your daughter's focused on the other side, she's thinking about tactics, strategy. She's also picking the ball up early. It's going to give her more time to get to all of her shots. But I promise you, Tommy, this is probably what's happening. You care so much. You love your daughter enough to send an email. After every poor shot, she's probably looking up in the stands at you to see your reaction. And if you got a negative reaction, well, that's going to impact her in a negative way. My recommendation is give her something to focus on, talk about it, agree with it. But when you're at practice and when you're there, don't interrupt her, even with a negative vibe. What's going to happen when a tennis player is looking up at a parent over and over again, and they're getting in, in, you know, some kind of vibe that things aren't going well. <laughs> I've done that. Oh, the, no. fir- the first thing the kid's going to do is when they have a bad shot, they're going to be mean to themselves so you won't be mean to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to start acting that out, and you've actually uh, caused that. So, Tommy, you need to unplug. You need to relax. Uh, unhinge your jaw when you're watching your kid, and just keep a reminder, honey, Keep your focus on the other side of the net. You don't need to look up here in the stands. You're fine. Uh, And help her become a world-class decision maker. She's always looking at you. She's looking for you to help make the decision. Wow, even I just learned something about that. That is amazing. The last question was from, and it's a business question. I hope you don't mind. I kind of threw that in there I got to put my business hat on. (laughs) Hang on a minute. Well, uh, it's James. He's from Dallas, Texas. Is this James? His name is James. What's yes. up, James? <laughs> and he's a national sales manager of 100 salespeople who works from home. That was really bizarre to me, but it is what he does. And there's a lot of on my team that can, there's a lot on his team that can do better. So he's asking you for some tips to share with his team to get them a little more focused right, because me, they are at home and they, you know, they have other issues. Uh, okay. So let me get this. Let me get this straight. So, James, you've got 100 salespeople around the country. They work from their house. You think a lot of them can improve their focus and obviously improve their sales. You know, I coached a a company called Silhouette Optical. It's an eyewear company. There's 150 uh, sales reps around the country. And one of the things I, I, I helped that group do was when you get up, dress up. When you get up, Dress up. That's easy if you're working for you know from home to be in your boxer shorts and a t-shirt. I'm on the phone. I'm on the computer. But if you dress up, it's going to give you a little more focus, a little more formality. That's going to help you. You need to make that transition. Secondly, I think you need to really prepare your day because if you're working from home, you're going to be easily ambushed, especially in the summer. Kids are there running through the house easily disturbed. I think you really need to isolate yourself in a home office somewhere. Uh, put do not disturb on the door and uh, and then break your day down into four quarters like we talked before. Uh, I think working 
from home is awesome. I really do. <laughs> I've done it. and uh... But it's easily <laughs> disturbed. It's easily disturbed. So uh, dress up. You don't have to put on a coat and tie. I might. I think when you dress up, you're going to get more serious and more focused. Well, I want to thank Margaret for her question, Tommy for his question, and James for your question. Keep them coming. We really love answering your questions. And you've been, you've sent this to Ask Jim. And if we could just fit two more in here before we send you out to a week of concentration. Um, you know, having been around the music industry for about 10 years of my career, um, I love the, where this guy is writing his question from um, because sometimes there can be, in whatever venture you're in, there, there can be this false idea that like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to get to the pinnacle of wherever I'm at in like six months. <laughs> uh, especially in the music industry, record labels have a tendency to say that to artists to get them to sign. It's like, you will be you two if Beyonce joined you two. In you know this year, it's like guys, you're not gonna you're not gonna sell at Madison Square Garden um, in the same year that nobody knows who you are. Uh, so, dear Jim, I moved to Hollywood two years ago. I'm 29 years old and have a day job uh, while I pursue my passion of screenwriting. This is good. I recently sold my first web series and have much bigger things in mind. Also good, right? Um, how do I maintain my concentration in an environment where hard work doesn't always equal a positive outcome immediately? Uh, I realized I may need to be at this for several years to get a major film or TV show. Well, first of all, I think you only need to think about what you think about. I think I would detach. Already, you've put a little safety net uh, and not a positive one underneath you by believing what might happen in a negative way that that won't be. Like I could be anonymous for years. Like, what do you, I, I, apparently I, wouldn't you need, I wouldn't go there at all. I think you need to have your own movie in your own mind of how things are going to be. The people that have made it, especially in Hollywood, I've coached a lot of actresses and actors and screenwriters in Hollywood. You know, you got to get into your own mindset. You got to make up your mind what you want to do, not what the industry is doing. Make no excuses. Excuses as. John McEnroe told me one time, excuses are for losers. Don't put that safety net underneath you. Uh, I, I think you're setting yourself up uh, maybe, uh, well, you're setting yourself up not for positivity. Decide what you want to do. Set your own goals. Have a goal every Sunday night. Visualize the greatest week you've ever had. If you follow me on Twitter, I tweet it out every Sunday night. Think about what you want in the next seven days. See it as if it's so. See it as it will be. Uh, I think the fact that you've already sold something says, you're successful. That's awesome. And if they're going to buy one thing out of your incredible imagination, they're going to buy more. Think as positive as possible. Last one before we send you into a really great week of concentration. Hey, Jim, my biweekly golf league is one of the few things that gives me a lot of energy in my life. However, my company is going through a ton of turmoil, and I'm a mental wreck by the time I pick up my clubs each afternoon to play. So how do I get my concentration back? Um, You know, I'd love to say I can just flip the switch, but I'm really worried that we could lose millions of dollars here this year. Well, that's a terrifying thought to lose uh, millions of dollars. I understand that. I think you need to... Get to the clubhouse, turn off your brain, and just be maybe more than 90 seconds. 
make that transition of clearing the launch before you go out on the golf course and stop thinking. That's the reboot that we did at the top of the show. You need a reboot and clear yourself before you even get out there. On the range, while you're hitting some balls, uh, at the end of that warm-up, I would play the first three holes on the range. I'd get in the zone before you even tee it up. So I'd play hole number one, driver, seven iron, hole number two, driver, wedge, whatever it is for you, that's what I would do. I would also break the round down into threes, not front nine, back nine. First six holes, middle six holes, closing last six holes. That's crucial. And all the golfers I coach, we don't use front nine, back nine. So the first six holes set some goals of what you'd like to accomplish. After those six holes, reboot completely turn your brain off. Now the second six holes, that's where you make whatever adjustments you need. And then after 12 holes, clear your mind, be as tall as you can, conjure up all your remaining energy, and tell yourself, I'm a closer, and I'm not giving one shot back after this 12 holes. By breaking it down into three sets of six holes, that's going to be better than front nine, back nine, That's going to help your concentration. Hopefully, you can get lost in that round so you can be the best you can be. I want to talk about one last thing. It's experience I had that really hits home for me, at least, on concentration. I'm in Africa. I'm on a safari. I'm on a hunt. Now, we had no weapons. We're taking pictures. And I find myself sitting in front of a Jeep on a hill looking down over an open plain. Between the hill and the open plain is some really tall grass. There's a herd of impala grazing lazily, no care in the world, and a big buck had separated itself, the alpha male, from the herd, and he's oblivious to anything and everything. And all of a sudden, I'm nudged by uh, one of the guides And he points down into the tall grass, and I can see a cheetah, the fastest animal on the planet. And you could tell it hadn't eaten in a while. You could see its ribs. But it was in stealth mode on its belly, crawling up to the herd. And it angled itself toward that big buck. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting ready to witness a kill. And the energy was unbelievable. The energy was so unbelievable. The herd. Their ears perked up. As a group, they river danced away from the tall grass. But the big buck, he's the man. He's cool. Never flinched, oblivious to what was about to happen to him. And then this cat shot out of the grass faster than any athlete I've ever seen in my life. It was amazing. In an instant, the herd panics. Every Animals running in every direction. A mom pregnant with foal fell directly in the path of the charging cheetah. Could have easily stopped and had Chateaubriand. Easy. (laughs) But you know what the cheetah did? The cheetah leapt over the fallen mom. Leapt over it. Locked in on one thing. The juggler vein of the big buck. 
a teenage Impala, also in the chaos, this is in a second, runs in the wrong direction, hits the cheetah in the back legs. The cheetah didn't get thrown off, though. Its head never moved. Never moved. Locked in on one thing, and it went over and took down the big buck. When that happened, the herd walked away going, yeah, Bob's dead. It was pretty amazing. (laughs) Bob's gone. You know, what's the big deal? The herd walked away. They didn't run away. That was the most amazing concentration I've ever seen. But you know what? We're all hunters. We hunt for love. Coming up this fall, your kids are going to hunt for grades. You hunt for sales. Golfers hunt for birdies. Speed's going to be hunting for birdies at Quail Hollow this week. But you got to ask yourself, am I the cheetah? Does the cheetah say, oh my gosh, there's too many of them. I hope I don't get hurt. No. Does the cheetah try to get them all? No, he's tried that before. He's tried to eat them all and get them all, and he's wound up with nothing. We've done that, chasing the shiny dime. The cheetah said one thing with its body language. I eat now. One focus, one target, one goal. Be the cheetah. And as we leave, be the cheetah. Focus all your energy, mental, physical energy, on a task that leads to a goal that takes you to a vision. And now, Seth, let's close with the Zone Zone Cafe. Cafe. You're pulling up in your car. There you are. We got a full menu today, five items. You got to select only one. Do you get a big bucket of self-discipline, the willingness, commitment to stay with a task? To reach a well-defined goal, you can order that, Seth. You can have a big bucket of self-discipline. Or based on this podcast today, do you need a slab of concentration? Is that what you need? You got to only order one, and you got to order it right now. Or do you need some optimism? A plate full of optimism, confidence, belief, expectancy. We got two more items. There's a giant drink of relaxation. Free from worry, free from anxiety, calm, cool, John Hinged. Or do you need an amazing tray of enjoyment, pleasure, satisfaction, enthusiasm? Seth, you got to place your order. Cece, place your order. All listeners, what do you need to be the best that you can be? I'm taking optimism this week. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll check back in on that as we get into the next episode. Oh, Optimism all the way. Optimism. You know what? Maybe we need to talk about optimism next week. We'll help Seth. We'll help Cece. Optimism it is next week. Stay tuned. We're going to tackle your belief system. Your Not only your optimism, your self-esteem, your confidence, your trust. And until next week, be in the zone. Seth, Cece, it's the only place to be. I'm Jim Fannin. You've been listening to the Jim Fannin Show. Seth, Cece, until next week. Go be Cheetah Intense. Radio Influence. The future is now. Now. 
Welcome to the introduction of Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast featuring women working in sports. I'm Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, your host. My day job is serving as in-house counsel for a professional sports organization. This podcast is my passion project, and I'm so excited to launch it. Let's begin with the why, as this is the inevitable question everybody will have. When I chose to go to UMass for their sport management program, I honestly had no idea what I could do with that degree, other than maybe coaching or being an athletic director. But otherwise, I had no idea. Once I was there, I obviously discovered the many career options. But aside from my female professors, I didn't know any other females working in sports. Guest lecturers were always male, as were our hosts on field trips. This is a problem that I still see persisting today. There was a recent 48 under 40 published, and there were six women on that list. Six. There are amazing women doing incredible things in our industry, but we are still underrepresented in these types of lists. And I want to take a moment to discuss why representation is so important. When you don't see people who look like you in positions of power, leadership, or even just in an entry-level job that you may want, you subconsciously may not believe that you can get that job or reach those levels. We may know logically, rationally, that we can achieve anything, right? Our parents, grandparents, teachers all told us that if we work really hard and do the right things, we can be anything. However, all that positive talk and support is swept away by these subconscious thoughts. So that is the why of this podcast. When girls and young women hear the stories of women in the sports industry, they will begin to believe, and rightly so, that there is a place for them in the sports world. The podcast can serve as a resource for them in that sense. And for those already in their careers who have always wanted to get into sports, the podcast can be a resource for them as well. Each woman's story is unique. My own twisty, curvy path to sports is a testament to that. Finally, I want to put a spotlight on these amazing women who are so often overlooked. A couple of quick things about how I will be doing this podcast. First, it's important to mention that this podcast is not affiliated in any way with my employer. All opinions shared by me are mine alone, and those shared by my guests are theirs, unless otherwise stated. I will attempt to curb my terrible habit of cursing, but there may be a slip from time to time, so please bear with me. Secondly, I will be using the word sports and the term sports industry very broadly. I hope to highlight women in a diverse set of positions and wide range of businesses. Every once in a while, there may be someone on who does not fit the definition. Please know that I've brought them on because I believe that they have something to offer all of us. Thirdly, conversations will touch topics of all kinds and will be as long as they need to be. I have purposely decided not to set an arbitrary length metric. These are actual conversations and they will flow in a natural way. We may go off on a tangent, but I believe that true conversations are better than a stodgy list of questions. Most importantly, I really want us women to be better supporters of each other and to stop feeling like there is only room for one of us. This mindset is why we see such competition among women. This is also why so many of us have felt like we have to be really tough or closed off. That stops now. We will see each other as multifaceted humans, so the conversations will show these women as their authentic selves, and I promise to be my authentic self. My goal is to share 
insightful conversations that inspire, touch, and connect with you each week. I cannot wait for you to hear my first interview with Sally Burgesson, founder and CEO of the women's running apparel brand, Wazelle. It was a ton of fun, and I certainly fangirled a few times. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, RadioInfluence.com. Those are my guys. And wherever else you get your podcasts so that you don't miss out. In the meantime, you can follow the podcast social media accounts at LTPFPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The website where you can get additional information is ltpfpod.com and my personal twitter account is at bobby sue b-o-b-b-i-s-u-e chat soon